It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. God's Word says in Isaiah chapter 45, verses 22 and 23, Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that to me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall take an oath. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane, and it's our joy to be with you on this Fire Away Friday where we take your questions. And that number, if you have a question, is 888-589-8840. Make that call now. The lines are open, ready to go. 888-589-8840. Alex, we're always excited about Fire Away Friday, aren't we? Well, that's true, and it's such a joy to be with you, my dear brother Bert, and to be talking about the Word of God. And we take calls and questions, and we do our best. The way this show works, Bert and I do our best to give you an answer that is factual and biblically accurate, biblically truthful, and applicable to everyday life. And, uh, hey, do you remember A.W. Tozer? Does that name ring a bell, Bert? It sure does. I've got several of his books. He's a great guy. Aiden Wilson Tozer, A.W. Tozer, great, great man, and uh, he was a Christian leader. I think he probably died around 1960, but he said this one time, quote, the goodness of God is infinitely more wonderful than we will ever be able to comprehend. And I don't know, I just think at these times, Bert, it's good to reflect uh, that God is good, God God loves us, God forgives us, He will restore us. And in spite of this noisy, frenetic, crazy world, God is in control, and and His plans for His children are good, aren't they? They are, and they are good every morning. His mercies are new every morning. And uh, we're hoping you're having that kind of a day wherever you might be in the United States. And uh, this is a, a nationwide Bible study, and because of the Internet, you can even go other places in other countries, and we appreciate that. But Alex, uh, someone was asking me about the book, 100 Questions and Answers. <laughs> I, had, I found out uh, one of our friends, he got on and ordered 40 and was going to give them to, for a Christmas present. Someone oh told goodness. me that just yesterday. So wow. uh, that's, that's something someone's doing. But we're thankful that God is using that book to touch lives, aren't we? Well, we are, and and whoever ordered 40 copies to give away, uh, we sincerely, sincerely thank you. Uh, You know, Bert and I worked on this, and we went through, and I I went through uh, notebooks and legal pads that I've kept for a decade of questions. And so we've got what I, to the best of our ability, is the top 100 questions from the first 10 years of Exploring the Word, and Bert and I worked on this. And uh, I've got to tell you, it was an honor, just very humbling, that Tim Wildman chose to use this during Sherathon 
and people that support the ministry were given this book as a gift for their support, but it is on uh, every bookstore. I mean, you can go to Barnes & Noble, the national bookstores. You can go to your local Christian bookstore. All of the online booksellers like christianbook.com and, yes, Amazon. Uh, and uh, eventually, I hear it's going to be at the AFA store, too. I'm not sure if it's quite there yet. It, well, it's not the last time I asked, so, but it but, is coming, we understand. And uh, let me just say this, folks. I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, the authors of this book, uh, a man named Reverend Bert Harper and his uh, colleague, Alex McFarland, uh, we will come to your town if you ever wanted to do a fireway evening of questions at your church or we'll do a, a revival or kind of we sometimes call it a spiritual town hall meeting um, 2022 will be upon us just imminently but maybe the latter half of next year or even 2023 uh, it's always fun we, we don't get to do it nearly as much as we would like but if you want Bert and Alex in your town Email us at word at AFR.net, W-O-R-D, word at AFR.net. And uh, I don't know, I have an idea those two evangelists would come. What do you think? Bert? I tell you, we let me see. <laughs> We've been in Virginia, Oklahoma. I've been in down in Georgia, uh, North Carolina. Uh, and we had you in Spartanburg, South yeah, Carolina. Yeah, so we've been we've been together, and it's a little bit of energy. You think the you think there's energy on the radio? Get two people in person, and the energy just explodes. So anyway, we'd love to do that. Well, Alex, let me tell you, people are calling in. Are you ready to go to the lines? It's Fire Away Friday, and so let's go. Let's go to Georgia and talk to Tam. Tam, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate that, and I appreciate your ministry. Um, my question is related to Judas Iscariot. Uh, it's been my understanding that basically that he was not saved. And I was reading in um, Matthew 10, where at the beginning, where it says Jesus called his 12 disciples, and it names all of them, including Judas. And he gave them authority to um, cast out demons, to heal. Um, all kinds of diseases, and I think even raising from the dead was included in, in this in uh, verse eight. And I was kind of surprised uh, if Judas was not a saved man, um, how or why would God have given him that authority to do that? Great question, Tom. Let me just share this with you. Jesus said from the very beginning, uh, at the end, that Judas was a had a demon from the very beginning you do not have a demon and be saved uh that that does not you can be influenced by demonic influences you can but not in the way that jesus referred to that he was a demon from the very beginning but alex he sent them out two by two uh, mm. you know sometimes you can lean on your partner and they carry the load and you're there for a ride uh, there's two thoughts on Judas. Either it was a temporary thing that God gave him that authority. It was just God's privilege to give, even the unsaved, or he was riding on the coattails of whoever he went with. Uh, do you have any other explanations? Well, it's a really good question, and it is. It's tragic and hard to read, but no, Judas was not saved, and he would, he went through the, the the rituals, but he didn't have the relationship. You know, I mean, it, it was religion without reality. Um, in, in John chapter 6, um, I'm trying to think of it, John 6, verse 70, 
Jesus said, Have I not chosen the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil, or has a demon? Now, in the original language, the, the verb is is really, uh, it's emi, E-I-M-I, and it means to exist as something. So, uh, you know, even though uh, Judas went through the motions, and Acts one twenty five, when they replaced him, it says they um, chose someone to take up his apostleship, now listen to this, that he might go to his place. Now, what was Judas's place? Hell. Very sad, isn't it? So let me just say this. How, how do we apply this to our own lives? Look, you could be a church member. That's great. You could serve on a committee, teach Sunday school. You could preach in a pulpit, and that's fine. The question is, are you born again? Have you personally said, Lord Jesus, I repent of sin, come into my life, save my soul? And Religion is one thing, but make sure you've got that relationship with Jesus. That is the only thing that is eternal. Your position, regardless of apostleship, pastor, evangelist, that is not eternal. Your relationship with Christ is eternal. Judas did not have that, and I, again, it's a good question to him. Why, how, was he a part of the ministry? Uh the reference that Alex gave, it says he attained part of that ministry. It seemed like he put up a fantastic front to fool every one of the 12, but not Jesus. And so mm. that's what you want to do, because when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, not a one of them said, we know it's Judas. We've wondered about him. They said, is it I? So, listen, what you want to do is look at your life. Has there been a time in a person's life, in your life, in my life, where Christ has come in and taken residence in your life by grace through faith? And so, Bert, yeah, go ahead. L- let me just say this, and uh, it's Fire Away Friday, folks. We are live. You're not listening to a recording. Uh, this is live. So if you want to call in, 888-589-8840. Let me just say this about Judas. Um, It was my privilege, probably 30 years ago, I heard an old, old preacher, he's in heaven now, J. Harold Smith, and he preached a sermon called God's Three Deadlines, and it was a very evangelistic message about how you you might have come into this room savable, and maybe the Holy Spirit is going to call out to you for the last time, and I... J. Harold Smith was quite elderly when I heard him preach this in front of 3,000 people, and I mean the altar was full. But, Bert, regarding Judas, do you remember back in John chapter 12, uh, one of the disciples, Judas, cried out and said, this money could have been given to the poor. You know, they they were uh, worshiping Jesus, and they washed his hair and washed his feet, and uh, Judas said, hey, wait a minute, this ointment could have been sold and given to the poor. I wonder, I've often wondered if that was maybe one of the last times Judas hardened his heart because he joined the 12 and, hey, maybe this is the Messiah. Goodness, he, this Jesus seems to fulfill all the criteria. But somewhere along the journey, the heart of Judas turned against Jesus. And, of course, he betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Judas crossed that deadline and went from the possibility of being saved to being a reprobate. And uh, let me just say, folks, when you realize you need Jesus and Christ is knocking at the door of your heart, open that door and let him in. Today. Uh, Thank you, Tam. We hope that gives you enough to help you. Let's go to South Carolina and talk to Bill. Bill, welcome. 
How you doing? Doing good today. How about you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, it's, I got a little story. It's really not a question, and it just goes along with, I think, the Christmas season. We all hate getting robocalls, and I hate it as much <laughs> as anybody else. But I decided one day the way to really make them mad is to say, why don't we pray together? The funny thing is God had one of them say, okay. So we prayed. And so that's what I started doing with robocallers. I'll ask them if we can pray together. And amazingly, there's a lot of them that will pray with you. And I have shared the word all over the world, sitting here in Florence, South Carolina. Amen, Bill. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Amen. We, we applaud you. We do. <laughs> Listen, I, I want to say this. Uh, I'm, uh, I do the other program called Exploring Missions, and we're always looking for ways to carry out the mission Christ has given you. And, Bill, I want to just tell you, you get an A+. Plus. That is awesome. And uh, I, you know, Hey, I hope that goes across everybody that hears that and they'll know about the robocalls. We're we're going to wait into the next segment to take the next call. And Bobby from Texas is online, and then Hoyt, Alec, and Virginia, and Jake, we're going to get to your calls. But, Alex, uh, I just want to share with you real quickly what uh, we're looking forward to the month of December. There's going to be a series of programs that we're talking about 12 in, Indisputable Truths. You, Jim Stanley, and myself, uh, we went over that, and it's going to be a great presentation. I hope people are excited about it, and when they start hearing it, each one of those bills on the others, and they're truths that will bless your life, aren't they? Well, they really are, folks. We've just got some incredible days of programming in the month of December. We've got a great show in process today so stay tuned we've got a brief break exploring the word we'll come back we'll continue answering the phone and we want to talk to you so stay tuned we're back after this this is pause to pray a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders today we pray for kelly fletcher acting cio of the department of defense she's responsible for the department's information enterprise including areas like cybersecurity, information systems and more psalm 37 3 reminds us of the safety provided by god trust in the lord and do good dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture right now with this in mind let's pray together Almighty God, we ask you to guide Kelly Fletcher as she works to keep our country safe. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and a presidential prayer team. With the generous support of listeners like you, our radio ministry is in our fourth year on the air. Keep the power of prayer going and become a regular sustaining member. Details at pausetopray.org. It makes things unpleasant when people can't get along. But Dr. Tony Evans says it's more than just annoying, it's destroying. He'll talk to us about what's really at stake as we spend two minutes with Tony. Forget spiritual authority where there is disunity. The reason why the enemy creates disunity is not just so that folk won't get along. No, 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 he's doing it for a bigger purpose. He knows that lack of agreement will keep God from responding. 
That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7, when husbands and wives are in disagreement, tell the husband don't pray because God will not listen. But he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, when the husband and wife are in agreement, tell them to pray because now they can hear from heaven. The reason why the husband and the wife are fighting is not just over the issue, it's because what Satan does is he amplifies the issue. That's why you started fighting over bacon and eggs and now you're discussing getting a divorce. What's that got to do with bacon and eggs? Well, he has amplified that issue so that there is no prayers being heard and therefore no binding and loosing occurring, no authority occurring. He keeps races divided. Politicians divided, political schemes divided, so that while everybody having a prayer meeting, God's not answering anybody's prayer because they're not in agreement. Learn more about how to keep the enemy from short-circuiting your prayer life. Check out Tony's CD series, Igniting Kingdom Prayer, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You know, I love a quote by R.C. Sproul. He said, my confidence in the future rests in my confidence in God who controls history. Hey, welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here. The number, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Your calls, Bible questions, we'll do our best to give you a really good answer. Well, they're all filled, so we're going to go to them as quickly and as fast as we can, give great, best answers we can. So let's go to Texas. Bobby, welcome. Ah, love you, gentlemen. I got two good ones for you, I believe. Uh, Hello, I've asked this one before. Yes, Alex. <laughs> and I love me some, some J.C. Uh, uh, Sproul. Uh, R.C. Sproul. A.W. Tozer, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, okay. R.C. Sproul, I read them every day. And I think, and I think deeply. But I, I called and asked about Paul's stance in Ephesians on we are to, by all means, stand. Uh, so what I want to know is, what are our means? Is that my character? Is that my faith? Is that everybody? Is it? Are those means that we stand by? Are those means the same for everybody? Okay, Bobby. Thank you, Alex. I, when I hear that again, what you do, Bobby, and, and this is this is good Bible study. What you do, can I find a comparison with that some other place? Can I go to a Bible character that did stand and even pay a price? It says, stand by all means. If you want to know, no matter what it costs you, you stand for God no matter what it costs. And that puts everything on the line, everything that you said. And the good example of that, Alex, uh, is Daniel. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat, the king's wine, the king's uh, teaching. You know, he was going to follow the Lord no matter what. And so you stand by all means. Listen, no matter what. Go ahead. 
Well, you know, this is great because this comes from out of Ephesians 6, Bobby Joe. And uh, thank you for listening. It's always great to hear from you. And, you know, you can even teach this to children because it's very pictorial. And uh, kids can, you know, get really interested in this. But, you know, it says in Ephesians 6, 6, 13, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand and Some translations will say, after having done everything, stand, or by all means, stand. Here's how. Put on, go back to verse 11 of Ephesians uh, 6. Be strong in the Lord, be strong in his power, put on the full armor of God to stand against the devil, uh, not against flesh and blood. Now, you go down there and it says that we are to put on the belt of truth, uh, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet of Uh, fitted with the readiness that comes to share the gospel, Uh, take up the shield of faith after which you can extinguish or deflect the flaming arrows of of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Bert, a helmet protects your head, so we need the Word of God to help our, our mind. And then our hands and our feet, our walk, which is not only... Uh, defensive against the schemes of Satan, but offensive, proactively sharing the gospel. So I, I, I've always really loved that Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. I, I really think that kind of is a, a good approach for all of us, don't you? It is. Now, notice what it starts with. It starts with truth. That's what everything else hooks up to truth. The love of God is hooked to truth. Uh, everything. If it's not truth, then it will not stand. So when you stand in truth and and you're girded in the truth, then those others can follow. But without truth, each one of those, you will not be able to withstand the fiery darts of the wicked one, Alex. So uh, that's the reason on exploring the word we talk about it. We share with it. What does the Word of God say? It's truth. Man, I appreciate that, Bobby Joe. Let's go to Georgia and talk to Hoyt. Hoyt, welcome. I want y'all to comment on Matthew twenty-four twenty, where it says, "Pray that your flat may not be in winter or on the Sabbath." What exactly does that mean? Okay, well, we got to look at the context of where it is at chapter 24. You're looking at the future. You're looking at the questions about the time of his coming. And, and Alex, uh, you're, you're looking at those things and, and the tribulation, the difficulty. Uh, you always look at those and try to answer in the context about which it was given, don't you? Yeah, you do. And remember, he Matthew 24 is really good because it talks about lawlessness will come and the, t- the, the love of many will grow cold. And then in 15, it talks about the abomination of desolation. And it talks about, and by the way, I think this is uh, a reference to during the tribulation period. Yeah. When the, the third temple has been rebuilt, the worldwide political leader, the Antichrist, is demanding everybody worship him. And so 16 and 17 says, you know, some are going to flee. Well, 16 of Matthew 24 says some are going to flee to the mountains, which is probably Petra. And uh, it talks about how it'll be hard to carry babies and nursing infants. And verse 20, I think, is interesting. Pray that it's not in winter, uh, 
and it, it really does mean the cold, rainy season, although, you know, there there is snow sometimes in the Holy Land. But let me say this. I believe the Matthew 20 passage is talking about the Jews alive during the tribulation period that will flee to the wilderness and try to survive the genocide of the Antichrist. And, Bert, let me just throw this in there. And um, I want to say, folks, Bert and I try not to be speculative. We try not to throw things out there that are, you know, ambiguous. But it was just this morning I was reading in the news that um, a number of nations from the UN uh, are arguing that we need a global, worldwide COVID pact, P-A-C-T, that would include forcing people to do various things, or you can't fly on an airplane or maybe even use, you know, banking online and things like that. I'm just saying, have your house in order. We don't know when the end of time is going to come, but Bert, uh, I'm going to say this. The chess pieces could be on the table for end-time scenarios like Matthew 24 in, in shortly from now. Uh, are, the, are the details coming into focus? Maybe. And I'm going to even go on record as saying likely. Yeah. Well, let me say this. Uh, you said a very important word in, as you started this conversation, worldwide. There has been pockets of this all alone. There, there has been. And therefore, people said, oh, no, it's not going to be something. But it is, it is as you said, a worldwide pack. That really touches strong. And the, some things may change. In other words, Paul thought this. Yes, we think that. There's others that thought it was going to happen in their lifetime. We understand and know that. But as Alex has said, as we see these things lining up, more widespread, more, uh, more evident everywhere, uh, those pieces are in place. But one thing always remains, and that is we be ready. That is the key to knowing what Jesus would say, what Paul would say, what John would say, what Peter would say concerning Jesus' return, be ready for in such is hour as you think not, he comes. So be get ready and stay ready. Amen, Alex? Amen. 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 Well, let's go to Texas and talk to Alec. Alec, welcome. Hello? Yes, you're on. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Um, I have a question about the verse in First John 5, 8, and it says, And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are agree as one. What does it mean that they bear witness on earth, and what is the Spirit, the water, and the blood? Okay, let me read verses 6, 7, and 8 before we get there. And uh, I, I know I do that all the time, Alex. I said, let's read the before and after. But this Got is, to. this is, listen to it. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is a spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. For there are three who bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. What a statement about the Trinity. Amen. Verse well, 8. Yeah. And there are three that bear witness here upon the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. And, and so, Alex, as you see there, the comparison is what takes place in heaven, what takes place down here upon earth. And, and so, Alex is saying, okay, we know what the Spirit is, the water and the blood. Mm -hmm. uh, Alex, uh, the blood has always 
talked about the blood, the sacrificial blood, uh, the blood that Christ has. The water has had different meanings. Sometimes it's the, it is the washing of the Word, the Bible, and sometimes it is baptism, and, and many times it is being immersed by the Spirit of God. Do you, when you look at that, do you have those down pat, or is it still a question in your mind which one it might be? Well, you know, this is one of those things that falls under the heading of, of manuscript attestation. And 1 John chapter 5, and this, verses 7 through 8, I've talked to scholars who say this is, um, let me say this, the hardest verse to understand in the Bible, many say, is Genesis 6 with the Nephilim. But one of the hardest manuscript things to, uh, you know, accurately explain is first john 5 7 through 8 now either way because there are some manuscripts that say you know the spirit the water and the blood and some manuscripts that say the father the word and the holy ghost now they're both true and they both are absolutely harmonious with the rest of the biblical uh record there are three that testify and some manuscripts say three that bear record and and that's you know that's true that you know, I think what it probably is, Bert, there's no, there's no contradiction because, look, uh, the, the Father and the Spirit and the Son, the Logos, are one in nature. Now, the water and the blood, does that mean the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross? Does that mean the water that came out when Jesus was pierced in his side? I don't, it, it might. Bert, let, let me say this. Um, Titus 2.11 talks about the washing of regeneration. And also Galatians 3 talks about being baptized. You know, I, I think here's the best thing we can say without knowing all the facts. The 1 John 5, 7, and 8 definitely references the triune God, and it definitely references salvation. The blood of Jesus, being, uh, when you're born again, you're baptized into Christ, um, I know, I don't think it's talking necessarily about water baptism, but uh, I, I think what you've got out of this passage, however imperfectly we may be able to understand it, but you've got a reference to the nature of God, the Creator, the Spirit that draws us, and the Savior, and you've got a reference to what salvation is, that because of the work of Christ, we come into the body of Christ, and... Uh, it's deep, isn't it? It is. And, and what you have, Alec, you have this. They bear record. They bear witness. Notice what it is. In heaven and upon earth. In other words, we know heaven is settled. It is God's word is settled in heaven. The word of God is settled. What you have here, whatever verse 8 is referring to, it's a testimony. It's a witness. And as Alec said, it's harmonious. They work together wherever that is, and, and again, don't let things like this drive you away from doubting. Let it sink in. Praise God. He is able to, to demonstrate his faith and his goodness when we can't completely understand everything he says. Uh, Alex, it's driven me to Christ, not away. I pray it will for others. Let's, exactly. Uh, let's go to Kansas and talk to Virginia. Virginia? Welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Um, I believe it was yesterday 
could have been the day before, but I think it was yesterday, a young man, a young boy, about 12 years old, called and asked about where the animals for sacrifice came from on the ark. And after, I'm sure, too, after they disembarked from the ark, as they had gone in two by two. And I felt like uh, you guys didn't answer that very clearly. (laughs) And I believe the answer is, unless I misunderstood the question, the answer is in Genesis chapter 7, verses 2 and 3, where it says that the clean beasts went in by sevens, Mm -hmm. And the fowls of the air also went in by sevens, and the unclean beasts went in two by two. Yeah. Hey, uh, let me just say thanks for listening. You are a very astute listener, and and I agree with you. I think you're right. You know, in Genesis um, 6.20, God's—see, here's where sometimes skeptics say there's a contradiction. God says, take the animals two of every kind. And then, you know, Genesis 7 talks about, you know, seven pairs of clean animals, male and female. Well, when Genesis 6 says take two of every kind, it doesn't say only two. It could legitimately say at least two. So there had to be food, uh, and thus some animals were taken that were that were used as food. And there had to be sacrifices. And so uh, while we know at least two of land um, dwelling creatures were preserved, at least two of a kind. And by the way, let me say for those, there's a really good book from, I don't know, 20 years ago, but it's called Noah's Ark, A Feasibility Study. Uh, God didn't have to take 126 breeds of dogs. One male-female canine pair could have had all of the genetic information for all the breeds. So uh, it's definitely something that is possible doable. I think it not only was possible, but actual. Thank you, Virginia. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back, get to as many questions as we can as we finish up today on Fire Away Friday. When the shoe boxes are delivered, that's when the journey begins. $6 can provide discipleship training and multiplication to children around the world with the greatest journey. $6 per child provides teacher resources, a workbook for a child, and 12 lessons in the child's own language. $6 is all it takes to start a child on the greatest journey of his or her life. To find out how you can donate to The Greatest Journey by Samaritan's Purse, listen on December 7th to AFR. Airing the Addisons. Sherry B. and J. Mack are on tap to help us navigate the show. Well, the great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Brad in Arkansas. Hi, Brad. Good afternoon. I enjoy your show as always. Applying Scripture to Life. You can talk about anything that we have discussed this week or maybe something that you want to bring to our attention. If we don't know about it, we're just going to tell you we don't know about it. You know, and then you'll just have to, you know, judge me. I'm sorry. Bearing <laughs> the Addisons. Weekdays at 2 Central on American Family Radio. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When my wife and I first started having children, we discouraged our family members from speaking to them in baby talk. You know, the gaga goo stuff. The reason was simple. We wanted our children to speak English well. Baby talk would hinder that development. The same principle applies to spiritual development. If we want our children to be wise disciples of our Lord, we should ask ourselves, 
how much of their time is spent investing in spiritual maturity. Protracted time in the company of spiritual baby talkers will inevitably cause harm. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Luke 2, verse 9, we read this of the first Christmas. And an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. In 1882, the very first strand of Christmas lights, just eight lights costing about $100 in today's money, were put on a Christmas tree. It started a trend that continues today. Maybe the Christmas lights from your neighbor's house keep you up all night because, you know, even the tiniest light can bring all kinds of light to darkness. The Bible says that when the angel of the Lord appeared, the glory of God, light shone in every direction. Why was the light shining? Because Jesus had come. And when Jesus comes into a life, he brings light to darkness. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday when we take phone calls the whole hour. And we enjoy this, so we're going to get right to it. We're going to get to as many of you as we can. And the first place we're going to in this final segment is Kentucky, and it's Jake. Welcome, Jake. Hey, Bert. It's good to talk to you twice in one day. Yeah, you you was on uh, Trivia Friday, right? Yes, sir. I well, I hope you have a good question since you didn't like our questions on Trivia Friday, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, man. Uh, well, I actually have two for you. One for one for the two of you, and and another one for the two of you. Um, one is the first one is. Um, do you know if the the I heard you talking about your book. Do you know if there's going to be an audio version of that? Well, I, I know this. I will not read it. Alex might. We'll see. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah, Alex. You know, I, I've done two audio books with American Family Studios. I would love for us to. There there are not plans for that at present, but, hey, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see if that might happen. Who knows? And, uh, and the second one is, uh, is uh, we, talk, we hear a lot today about how, how we shouldn't, uh, about separation of church and state and how we shouldn't uh have bibles in schools and but but i've but i've heard from from uh should i say people that are tremendously older than me my elders say that say that the, not only was it not only was it permissible to to carry bibles in school one time it was taught okay jake. oh yeah amen hey you're talking about me jake uh, listen, we, uh, yes, we did. And I was in school when that ruling came down in 63 and it did change a lot of things. And I mean, we would have Bible reading. We had a teacher in my school. You memorized, a, this is public school. You remember, uh, 
memorized a verse of scripture every week. And if you ever tried to memorize the same one, she kept record of it and knew what it was. And so, Alex, the public education in America was started because they knew that you needed to have a citizenry that could know truth. And guess what the main uh, issue was? Teaching the Bible. And then a come along uh, came along McGuffey's reader you ever heard of McGuffey's reader oh yeah 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 and that had those stories in there biblically based and and that's from where our education has fallen and so yeah uh, Jake you're right generations past knew where truth was Alex go ahead well let me just say this when I was going to Pleasant Garden Elementary School in Guilford County right outside of Greensboro Greensboro is a city of 300,000 people And Bert, you know, I'll grant you, this was in the early 70s. I was in fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Every year at Pleasant Garden Elementary, we had a Christmas play, the Christmas story. Uh, We would read Luke 2. And I was Joseph one year and walked down the auditorium. It was at night. And yeah, we sang Jingle Bells and Rudolph, but we also sang Silent Night and Away in the Manger in my public school. And you know what? Let let me say this. The man that wrote the First Amendment, his name was Fisher Ames, A-M-E-S. Fisher Ames wrote that famous clause that Congress will make no law regarding the establishment of religion, nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And yet Fisher Ames, quote, wanted the Bible taught in all public schools. He said, for it is the best vehicle to teach morality to young people. Nowadays, I, I realize, my goodness, if you talk about morals, God, reality, that doesn't fly in most public schools. But that, that phrase, separation of church and state, which is not in any of our founding documents or governmental documents, it, it's uh, causing us to go the way of all flesh, isn't it, Bert? It is. And, 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 you know, Devin's just reminded me that there is no law prohibiting a student to take a Bible to school. And matter of fact, we work with Truth For Youth so that students can take a New Testament and give it to a friend in school. We do that every year. We'll do it again in 2022. And so keep use use the freedoms that we have. Okay, let's let's go to Texas. Yeah, I'm going to Texas and let's talk to Vera. Vera, welcome. Hello. Uh, I have been listening to a uh, Seventh-day Adventist minister on one of my Christian TV stations. And I've been listening to them for quite a while, and they seem like, you know, really great ministers. And I decided to Google their theology. And I was astounded to, to read that uh, believers and non-believers alike, when they die, they go into an unconscious state. And ultimately, the unbelievers, they don't stay in hell for eternity. They just vanish. And that really scared me. I thought, how can they be on a Christian TV channel that's contrary to the Word of God and teach that? Is that is that the truth or, or what? Mm. Vera, uh, it's contrary to the Word of God. Here on Exploring the Word, we do our best. Alex and I, we won't ever answer every comment we have to be biblical. Not just biblically based, but straight out biblical. And what you're sharing with us uh, you might want to write that, uh, write that, uh, I would say, network and say, what are you doing? That, uh, Alex, 
sometimes yeah. people respond when listeners uh we we try to respond when listeners say something to us they might listen to that and decide we might need to relook at that mightn't they well here's a word i want to teach and by the way thank you for being biblically astute and having discernment uh there's a word idiom i-d-i-o-m and in Bible times, an idiom was like a saying, you know, like we have sayings now like, uh, you know, it was raining cats and dogs. Well, we know it wasn't raining felines and canines, but that's that's an idiom or a saying. Well, in the Bible, there are two verses and two verses alone that some have parlayed into this concept where the soul sleeps. Luke eight fifty two says that the people were weeping and mourning, and Jesus, and this is about Lazarus, do not weep for, she, I mean, it's not Lazarus, it's this damsel, do not weep for she is not dead but sleeping, okay? Then 1 Corinthians fifteen six, Jesus, and they're talking about the resurrection of Christ, Jesus appeared to 500 brethren at once. Paul says most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Now, that was a euphemism for saying somebody has died. Um, a, you, maybe you've seen an epitaph on a tombstone, asleep in Jesus. Now, Luke 8 and 1 Corinthians 15, some have fallen asleep. That was an idiom in that time period to say that somebody has died. Now, what's troubling about this is the Seventh-day Adventists, the Jehovah's Witnesses, have taken, and, and some others that are not traditionally biblical Christians, have said, well, the soul, the body dies, the soul, quote, sleeps. And then regarding not only death, but the afterlife, they talk about what's called annihilation. But that's not biblical. Let me say this. Um, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You read the book of Luke, Luke 16, uh, Lazarus died, was in paradise. The rich man was in the flames of hell. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die after this, the judgment. Here's the thing. Your soul lives forever. Yes. And Amen. one second after you close your eyes in death, you are consciously, not sleeping, consciously in eternity, either heaven or hell. Right. That's that are the two. That is the that are, that is the two places. Okay. Thank you, Vera. Thank you so much. Let's go to Texas and talk to Rose. Rose, welcome. Hello. Yes. Good to have Hi. you today. Yes. Good to have good. You guys. I just want to say you guys are a blessing. I've called a few times before, but um, I just really um, thank you guys for encouraging me. Um. Right now, it's just been a hard time, and uh, I just wanted to ask for uh, y'all and uh, people listening for your prayers. Um, um, We're needing to find a place uh, to live in about 30 days, (laughs) so, and it's being your holidays and everything, so um, it's it's just a pretty rushed job, seems like, so, uh, but I know the Lord's in charge, and I just want to for our uh, my uh, family in Christ to um, be in prayer for me. Okay, Rose. Those of you who are listening, if you do what I do, write Rose's name down 
and put her down, praying for her, asking God to direct and open doors. And we're going to pray for that right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we do thank you that Rose would feel the love that listeners have for one another, that she would call in and ask for prayer. We pray intervention in her life concerning housing. And Father, open those doors, whatever it might be. And Father, it may be a brother or sister in Christ somewhere that Rose knows, a church where she's attending, where they can come alongside her and help her and, and, and strengthen her and those loved ones with her. We pray this, believe this, trust this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Rose. Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Destiny. Destiny, welcome. Hey. Yes, hey. you're on. Go right ahead. Oh, this is, this is awesome. Okay. Um, my question was when the Bible says you are the head and not the tail. Now, I was wondering if y'all could simplify that for me and that way – I can remember it easily, but thank you, and I'll hang up and listen. Okay. Uh, Are you talking about the first should be last and the first should— Alex, do you know which one she's referring to? Uh, Let me think. Deuteronomy 28, 13 says, The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be at the top and not below. If thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day, and observe— to do them. Now, this is Deuteronomy 28 and Bert. Let's remember that these are the blessings of obedience where God is talking to Israel. There's blessings on your barn. He's going to establish you as a holy people. He'll open up the storehouse of his bounty, rain on your land in due season. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Then it goes on 15 and following about you know, curses of disobedience. So there were a number of times, Bert, do you remember on um, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal? Right. How God told Israel, uh, if you, from Gerizim, if you do good, these things, and from Mount Ebal, there's a warning, if you do these things, you're going to suffer evil. So um, while we were talking about idioms, I think this thing, the head and not the tail from you know, uh, Deuteronomy 28, 13. I think that's a way that God was saying, hey, uh, you're, you're going to have the upper hand. It, you're going to have favor and better success if you'll follow God. Bert, I think our New Testament counterpart of this might be Matthew six thirty three: Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things be added to you. Um, there's always benefit from putting God first in your life, isn't it? It is, and again, what what you have, this is in Deuteronomy. Remember what it says in Joshua, uh, you know, after this, and Moses has died. Uh, that passage just says, Moses is dead, Joshua. That's your turn. You're the head. And, and then he says, be strong and very courageous. Verse 7, verse 8, he does that again. And, and what it is, you go in with that mentality. You go in knowing God. You remember what he said in that? God has already given you that land. He didn't say, I'm going to give it to you. He said, I've already given it to you. You just got to go in and take it. And I think it fits with that idiom, uh, you know, that you will be blessed. It's not a cursing, but it is a blessing. And Destiny, thank you for that. I, I appreciate you asking that, that good question. Let's go to Oklahoma and talk to Ramona. Ramona, welcome. Uh 
thank you for taking my call. I love your program, and I apologize for my voice. I've got laryngitis, but I, I'm I may be very ill, like you know, terminal, and something mm. has just cropped up that is really scaring me because um, I have I'm suffering PTSD and anxiety, which I've had all my life growing up in the military, but. The doctor I talked to on the phone happens to be Catholic, and he's telling me that I, I'm almost in heaven, but I'm not quite there because I need to do this, that, and the other thing first before I can get into heaven. And what my question is, because there are millions of people that believe that the priest or the pastor has the authority to forgive sins, and that's where they get it from where Jesus um, um, said, you know, to Peter, are you going to leave? And he said, well, you have the words of eternal life. And then, uh, and then Jesus says, upon this rock, I build my church. Yeah. But they take it to mean upon this rock, the Pope. Yeah. Peter, know, Peter, be, uh, Ramona, yeah. I, I, we're going to pray for you, but Alex, we don't have a lot of time. And we really need to hit that. That our high priest is the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're right with him, and we've accepted him, there's not an earthly position that we have to go through, is there? No, we go straight to Jesus. And do you know the Bible says that he is the mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so we, we don't have to, uh, we don't have to uh, send a proxy on our behalf. He, Jesus, God the Son, is our advocate before the Father, the mediator between God and man, the reconciler between heaven and earth. Isn't it good he's as close by as a prayer? He is, Ramona. And listen, Father, I pray for Ramona. It sounds like that her time with you is approaching, and I'm praying, Father, that you would help her, strengthen her. May she look unto you. You're the author. You're the finisher of faith. And when we're in you, right in you, we're ready for that time, and your grace is sufficient not just to save, not just to live, but in death, your grace is sufficient, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Alex, it's been good to be with you, man. Hey, folks, it's been good to have everybody here. Go to church on Sunday. Maybe even try to bring somebody to church, get somebody under the sound of the gospel. Keep us in prayer. Keep your radio tuned to AFA, and tell somebody about Jesus. Jesus.